0: Wonderful. I wanted to, um, <clears throat> if uh, the moms would stand up. I wanted, well, actually, women. I wanted to just give a decree over you. Um, something that when when Jody and um, the team was singing, uh, the thousand generations. When that's actually being said, it's Exodus 20, and it's a blessing that's given over those that God is giving the uh, Israelites. It's the encounter. Uh, Moses has come down from the mountain. And he's given them the Ten Commandments. And what is happening is God is beginning a covenant relationship with the people of God if they obey him. And so he's saying that if you obey me, if you obey me and you live righteously, you live fully, wholeheartedly to me, I will remember you to a thousand generations. That's what he's saying. And so James, James 5.16 says the fervent prayers of the righteous and whenever you see the, the man, you, it's woman too. And so the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. So I want to pray over you. I want to just, if you would put your hands out, I want to just release over you. Because uh, I a lot of our issues are identity. And a lot of our issues are struggles with um, how we perceive ourselves, how we think God sees us, and how we think the world around us is interacting with us as well. And so I just want to decree over you, because there's many of you I really strongly felt when I came in today that need a reframe. You need a reframe. Your perspective of yourself has been harsh. Your perspective of yourself has been influenced or distorted. And so I want the Lord to reframe to you. So Father, right now, I pray a reframing over your daughters. I pray that you would impart to them, God, what it means to be fruitful, to be multiplying in every area of their lives, Father. I pray, God, that you would give them a fresh vision, a fresh encounter with you of a thousand generations, that the labors that they've done, that the trials that they've went through, the fiery trials, the fiery difficulties, the perseverance under pain, what that word means, perseverance means movement under pain where they have persevered, God. I pray right now you would bring fresh encounter that you are faithful to a thousand generations. God, I pray, Father, that you would make them, you would make them, Lord, forerunners. Micah 2.13 says, I'm going to read it over you. The one who breaks open the way will go before them. So that you would be the one, if you are the one who is the inbreaker uh, in your family, an inbreaker in your surroundings, that God would use you as a forerunner. And you would be an inbreaker, the one who opens the way, and that they would break through the gate, and the Lord would cause you to go out. And I pray right now that the King of glory will pass through with you. And I pray, if you close your eyes, I want the Lord to give you a fresh vision of encounter with him, of him going with you through the hardest of circumstances, through the deepest of difficulties, for, through the uh, immovable wall, the largest of boundary or uh, blockade, the gate that hasn't opened for a long time. I just want you to see fresh the Lord being with you and encountering the circumstance with you that he is going to give you victory. So I also pray now, Father, that you would, with your daughters, you would would cause them to be the one that a solution comes through for them. Father, in their health, in their family, spiritually, financially, and even merrily, God, that you would be the solution. You would cause them to become the solution makers. You would be the solution bringers. And God, they would, you would break off all the attacks of the enemy that presses in as they encounter you with prayer. Lord, I pray that they would be known. Lord, I pray now that they would be known. Right now, I pray, just as that Exodus 20 says, a thousand generations, that they would be known as women of legacy for their fervent prayers. And God, it would carry forward into generations that they don't see, but it would be because of the labors in the now. So I pray a fresh empowerment of strength. One of the manifold presence of God is the strength of God, the might of God. So I pray right now where they've been, it's been very, very hard for them, and they've wearied in their own strength for a long time, I pray, Father, right now, you would give them a fresh encounter. You would give them a fresh impartation of the strength of God to persevere and to go through. I pray, Father, they would see that they are life givers, that they are um, life producers, and that they are multipliers, and that it would surround them with strength. They would become a surrounding of strength, an orbiting strength in all that they deal with, and they would know that they can make it through, they would know that they can overcome, and they would know that you are with them. In Jesus, your mighty, wonderful name. Amen. 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 All right. Yeah. Every burden, every problem that the kingdom of darkness has brought against you that he's tried to get you to cause, to carry for the rest of your life, I pray right now that it would be removed and broken over you. Every single Burden and problem that the kingdom of darkness has brought against you and tried to defeat you and sell you a lie that there will never be a solution and that it will not change. I, right now, I break that off of you in the name of Jesus. The mighty, powerful, wonderful, all authority encompassing name of Jesus. You are so much more than you think you are. You are so much more. You are plenty. You are enough. And God, in his infiniteness, had to give you several different names to even describe you because of how wonderful you are. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's a hard, hard road sometimes being a woman, right? If anybody remembers, you know, the the commercial that um, I can bring home the bacon, it's old school. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. Who remembers it? And never, never let you, I'm off key, forget I'm not a man because what I'm a woman (laughs) with a little squirt of cologne (laughs) I think it's like or something she gives herself a spray after she whips it up in the pan coming home in her clothes and everything so we wear a lot of hats and I wanted to encourage you today about how uh, I wanted to give you just a refresher of your identity sometimes we uh, need a reframe And I love reframes because I love being able to reframe the way that I've been perceiving myself in the frame that God really has seen it from all along. So the first thing I'll start with you on, you can put the first slide up. I thought that that was so good. I really love to do decrees. Did you know that God is always speaking over you? Did you know that his anointing is not just uh, a decree of words? It's actually a touch. You know, we're, w- women are very, uh, very strongly, uh, very powerful nurturers. And God is actually a nurturer. Did you know that? He has a, a maternal side to him. What we have in ourselves was actually taken from the Lord. Uh, many of the aspects of a woman are taken from, from, uh, at, from man. He was man, and he was all-encompassing of who God made him to be. And God took off a part of man when he went, was put to sleep. And it was called a side, and so he was divided. So there's attributes of God himself put into woman that are different from man. I think that's so beautiful. And so that tender side, that gentle, that kind, that uh, long-suffering, loving others in spite of yourself, uh, constantly gathering, that gathering side, looking for others, nurturing, pulling them close, that's actually uh, feminine. It's, the, it's, it's strongly in, in the feminine now, which is so beautiful. It's so powerful. So I'm going to show you some things in, in God's word. So uh, we are called woman. And in the beginning, in Genesis 1, we're Isha. It's an interesting word. Isha comes from ish, which is man. And when woman was formed from his side, uh, he she was named, or it was added to her an A. Uh, so she was Isha. So... Genesis 1, 26, 20 says, seven says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion. I love this because oftentimes because we see now that women and men are separate. But in the beginning, they were them. Man was them. So we were actually in oneness before we became woman. So the original man had everything encompassed, but we had a side was cut off of uh, Adam, or man, and it was divided, and we became woman and man. Oneness became separated, if that makes sense. So, but it was always planned from the beginning to be circular, because we see in Genesis 1 that they were talked about as them. And there was talking about man and woman, even though he was still in singular form. It's very powerful. We don't have the original man. Did you know that? The original man has been subdivided. He got divided. God, in his wonder, in his splendor, in his creative splendor, decided that man should not be alone and that he was going to enhance in a divine creation, creative act, enhance man with woman. It's crazy, right? How powerful. So how were you made? Genesis 2, 18 through 20 says, And the Lord God said it was not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, comparable to him. This word here to him is actually not in the original. Um, It's just an an added word. It doesn't have an original Hebrew, believe it or not. Um, It's just to help us understand, but it was actually a helper comparable, just a helper comparable. And I'm going to go to my notes. Uh, Likeness, here's a couple things. Likeness, I think this is great. Uh, In the slide before, man was made in our image. So there was a multiplicity uh, in in man being created. And it's liken, that word liken, likeness, is the same word in Ezekiel 1 where the uh, likeness of God and the four creatures where you see a likeness of several different creatures for those that are kind of into the Ezekiel and the prophets. Uh, lion, eagle, man, and a ox. So that was likeness. So there was a multiplicity of God then, not, not, um, not in like they weren't all one, they're still one, they were always one, but there was a multifaceted side of God. He even has it now. And so man was created in his image with the same, which I think is, again, very powerful. So he made woman, he built her into a woman. He built her into a woman. Man, and this is gonna encourage men and women, man was not able to duplicate at that time. If he had duplicated himself, he would have been the one that he was, and there still would be no woman. So he built woman from her side, his side. And it was a beginning form that he creatively fashioned. It says uh, in the original that he was, um, that uh, she was um, hand carved, uh, almost like uh, uh, painting porcelain and it's also inferred of like unto gold, the fashioning of gold. (laughs) What a creative thing. So man was taken from the ground, which is where Adam comes up with uh, red earth, but woman uh, was taken from his side, which is from something divinely already created. How beautiful, right? So woman is the last creation, the final creation, And it's the highest form of creation because she was pulled and it was an add-on, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? So highest form. So man was alone. He was naming right before this and the verse before. He's naming all of the animals. He's still called man. He's not called Adam yet. And God says, it's not good that he should be alone and uh, I will make him a helper comparable. After that verse, God starts to call him Adam. Interesting, huh? He hasn't put him to sleep yet, but he's already renamed him because he's getting ready to do something that Adam doesn't even know that he's about to do, or man doesn't know he's about to do. So the word helper, comparable, I love these things. Oh, I want to tell you this too. So the first act of divine healing, okay, we'll get into it. Okay, the side uh, the side, uh, the rib is actually not, that's the only time rib is used, but it's the same word in all other areas of scripture, and it's side with flesh involved. So an actual side was taken off, and it's this, uh, there's a couple different forms that, uh, that side is used in. One is obviously body. Another is building, like uh, planks or timber, and sides of building. And it's showed in, uh, in, in a part of scripture to demonstrate the parts of the tabernacle, the sides. So man had many sides, and we don't know how many, but one was taken off, this side, and it was given. And it's also to describe the, uh, the tabernacle. And it's also believed that it, the tabernacle in that description, which is very deep, that it's uh, representative of the uh, ruling and reigning saints. How crazy, right? So a side could be so flourishing or blooming or blossoming with such meaning. So it was showed. So um, in, ex- in Exodus 25, 12, it says a whole side of the altar, and, and it's a living side. It's also debated whether Adam, when he was breathed into uh, breath was given to him, that he had multiple breaths of life. But they, it's also argued that uh, woman was breathed in by God. But when, when she went, so I'm gonna, I'll tell you what helper, this is, well, I'll go into just helper for a minute and then we'll get into that. I just want to give you this little bit. So helper, comparable, and the word is ezer kenedigo, uh, and the word means suitable. Another word. That's okay. That's an easy one. But when you study it out, it also suitable means courageous, vigorous, effective, and vivid. <laughs> courageous, vigorous, effective, and vivid. So oftentimes we think of as a helper as someone that picks up clothes or does dishes, or maybe is the person kind of working and giving a little aid to the stuff that you need help on, and it is. But it also means um, uh, orbiting strength, orbiting strength. And the only other time that Ezra Kenednego is used uh, in the Bible is to uh, connect uh, the, um, an attribute of God himself where he says he is a help in time of great need. And it's with Jehoshaphat when all of the armies, the five kings, have come to, uh, to um, wage war on Jehoshaphat, and he's freaking out, and he begin, they begin to fast and pray. And, and God says, I will be a help to you. I will be a help of strength to you. And that is Ezra Kenedigo. Powerful, huh? So we were created to enhance whatever we come into. And it's before she even had a child. Woman didn't even have a child at this time. So if you feel like, well, I haven't had any kids, or you know, I, I, I'm not going to, it's not my calling, I'm going to do other things, your design as woman was to enhance in any atmosphere that you're in to cause courage to be vigorous, effective, and vivid. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? So that was your first identity as woman. Your first identity as woman. And you were told with Adam, you were, or you, Adam wasn't separated. You weren't separated yet. You were still in oneness of man. And, but you were told by God that in the, in the context of them that you were to be fruitful and multiply. So that means before you had a child, you were to be fruitful and multiply. And the other part of it is that you were to have dominion, which is a ruling authority like Adam was given over the birds of the air, the, uh, uh, the animals, I think, of the fields, uh, of the sea, and every living thing that I think crawls on the earth or something. Those four parts. You were to have dominion with him. And you were to rule and reign with, him, with man because they were still one. You were still one. You were to rule and reign. Powerful, huh? So sometimes we think in our limitations of understanding who our design is that we are um, not enough if we don't have children. We're not enough if we're not married. We're not enough if we don't wanna get married. We're not enough if we haven't produced enough children. We're not enough if our kids aren't acting right. You know, Adam and Eve had a big doozy, right, in the garden and God was a perfect parent to them, right? Perfect parents to them. He calls himself father, and yet they still screwed up. (laughs) So our identity is in who we were created to be, not in what we've done, what we've not done, or what we've not accomplished with ourselves, or the limitations that we currently have right now of how we even perceive ourselves. So orbiting strength, so powerful. It, helper also means strengthened, aided, supported, surrounded. Aided, supported, surrounded, and the and and the comparable uh, means as if they were um, um, equal. It's the same derivative of the name of Ish. Ish and Isha are the same derivative of the same. So beautiful. You know that when God, when Eve took the big bite of the, gar- of the apple, I wasn't gonna go into this, but you know when Eve took that big honk and chomp, right? You know that God had already known that that would happen? He already had a plan, he already had a plan. From the beginning, he knew that man in oneness was gonna fall, from the beginning. The oneness was always circular. Man was never going to reproduce on his own. It was always going to be a oneness of plurality, if that makes sense. Just like God, multiplicity, facets of God. I don't mean that God is many. He's not. He's triune, but he's one. He's three encompassed in one, but he's not multiple gods. He's one. There's only one God, the Lord God Almighty. But in him is encompassed three, the triune. And it's the same, we're made in the likeness. So our issue of trying to strive sometimes, my husband said I should include this, our issue of of what can be perceived as striving is actually a deep desire to aid, to surround, to enhance, to multiply, to to, um, to orbit, to cause courage, to bring vigor, to bring effectiveness, uh, and make things more suitable. That's that's really what it is. It's us being, it's us showing up with color. It's almost like if things were in black and white, because when you're alone, it's kind of dumpy, you know? Nobody really wants to be alone. God brought Adam, or man, he wasn't Adam yet, and he's naming all of the animals, and he, he created all of the animals with multiplicity. There was plural, but Man was alone. And he said it in front of him. It's not good that you be alone. And he had a plan. And instead of man actually making the plan happen, man got to take a nap, which that's very nice, because most men on Father's Day really just want a nap, right? They do. I asked my husband, we want to go to dinner, we want our hair done, we, wanna, we want flowers, we want the dinner, we want everyone to kiss us, we want a tear if they have a tear bottle, we want them to pull it out, put it in their eye and let it pour out. We don't even care if it's not even that genuine, we just want to see it, right? You know, you can fall on my feet and not mean it, and kiss them and say that you know I've been an amazing mother, and it's fine for me, right? It's just good. You don't have to. But men, they're like, I just want to take a nap. I want to rest. I'd like to sit. I'd watch. Kevin will say, I'd love to watch a game. You know, leave I'd like. What's that? Leave just leave us alone. Yes. But see, it wasn't right. God said in front of you. It's not good that you be alone. And then He gave you a nap, <laughs> so you can be creative. All right. All right. Let's see. So, so um, he gave you a little nap and a break. It's interesting. There's, uh, women are not all the same, but there are similarities. And the same with men. There are, we have similarities of hardwiring. It's interesting. All right. So Ephesians says, uh, did you skip from other one? or Is this a new one? Oh, this isn't my slide. You got to go back. Sorry. All right. Yeah, we got to stay right here. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. This is where he gets his... He's called Adam now. Uh, Or no, it's right after um, he names the animals. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. So it was a side, we know, that it was a a nice big chunk. And it's the first divine healing. It's the first... It's the first... Isn't that powerful? It's the first divine healing. When he brings... Uh, Eve, the first thing when Eve opens her eyes, or excuse me, when uh, woman, she's still woman, when woman opens her eyes after being uh, fashioned creatively from a rudimentary part of, of man, he now creates an entire full-bodied woman. Um, uh, her, sh- the first face she sees is her creator. First face she sees is her creator. I believe and Dr. Peter Young that was here last week he was teaching that she got her first breath from God just like man did. And she as Eve is the mother of all living things. Do you know who the do you know who the father of all living things is? It's not Adam. It's God. Interesting. Interesting interesting. But the whole time there's been a centrality or it's been circular that we were to be together and there was a completion to come. He split their nature. He split the nature of man from one to two and man was no longer complete. Woman came into existence divinely ascribed to the original maker. Your identity is in the one who created you. Your identity is the one who gives you breath. Your identity is in the one who looks first into your eyes as creator. Like a mother bird, you know, who's your mother? You know, the one that your eyes opened up to. I used to have a cat. It was crying outside my window. The mother had abandoned them. They were like less than two weeks old. The eyes were shut. And they were crying, kept, and Kevin said, "Oh, just leave them alone. They're just going to be, you know, they'll just mother will come from." And I was like, "They're going to die. They're going to die." And so we brought them in, and you had to do all these crazy things to get them to go to the bathroom. They can't pee pee by themselves and stuff. You have to put them under water, and their mother licks them, and so you have to give them a little washi so that they go pee pee and stuff. But the first uh, when they open their eyes, the first person that they see is their bonding, uh, their one they're bonded to. And so Kevin had this cat that he succumbed to mothering and his maternal side. And, uh, and, and the cat opened his, eye, opened his eyes with, with Kevin, and it always, he always thought that Kevin was his mother. <laughs> so the first person that you opened your eyes to when you were a woman, before you were Eve, was your heavenly father, your creator. Adam was the first person to commune with, with the Lord. Elohim, right? But do you know who was the first person to be led? Eve. Or Excuse me, woman. She doesn't get her name yet, Eve. She's woman until after the fall. That's when God starts splitting. He splits things more, if that makes sense. So woman um, is w- led by the Lord to Adam. So powerful. So the first leading... Uh, it, the first one led by God is woman. And the first one to commune with God is, Adam, is man. Interesting. First divine healing was uh, man getting his side fixed. Divine healing and creative miracle and creative miracle. So God had a big deal with our creation, didn't he? And being a helper, it's not—it's 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 not a lower status. It's actually an elevated, and God has purpose through His design and His creation for us. So, it uh, with the um, separation of woman, it was not the mere act of separation. As we're told, the Lord God built her into a woman. Interesting, huh? She was fashioned into a full woman by God as a creative miracle. So cool. It's so, I find it so powerful that God has creative process in his purpose. It's actually inferred, it's an inference of of Jesus being begotten, the only begotten son, and that God was his, uh, his father and he had the lineage of his mother. And so she's taken from, she's taken so that she's not from the ground. There's this crazy story uh, if you study it out, I don't fully understand it, but there's a, a crazy story that he's from the ground, but she's from a side. So she's begotten from a side, and and, uh, and Jesus was begotten. It's like a type, you know, it, I'm not saying that she's a deity. I'm not saying that. I'm, you know, I'm not. But there's a type and shadow with all of these different stories to give us influence and impact and transformation into our lives and our perceptions of ourselves. So... So he built her. And he led her to him. He led her. he He didn't have to work for it. God actually had prepared her. So guys, you can really trust that God is going to fashion her into the full-bodied woman she needs to be. If you trust God and you allow and you continue to encourage her to have face time with the Father, and she continues to get her breath and her identity and her eyesight is fixed on him. She becomes what she's to become. You don't have to do it for, for her. It's not, uh, it's not a burden for you. You don't have to carry that heavy weight. You can take and rest, which is what's beautiful. You were crea- did you know man was created on the last day, or uh, he was created last? So God did all of his creation before he created man, the beginning number one. You didn't have to do it. You could rest. You were just uh, like an exclamation point on all that he had done. You weren't supposed to carry the workload. You were only supposed to steward and have dominionship over it. And man's job was to guide, guard, and govern. But you weren't to work. And when you were in the garden, you actually weren't actually laboring. Did you know that? The fruit came from the trees. It was there. They didn't have to sweat. The sweat came in the curse. Adam was created out, uh, man was created outside of the garden, and woman was created in the garden. Interesting. Hand carved. Hand carved. All right. Do you love this about yourself? I love this about myself. I love learning what God really thinks about me. Did you know that he says he loves you, but did you know that he actually really, really loves you? really, really likes you too? Did you know that he created you very uniquely and he likes unique things? If he wanted you to be like every other woman, he would have made you a robot like every other woman. You were taken from the side to not lord over or to not govern, but you weren't to be beneath either. You were actually to be a compliment. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to strive. The fall said that there would be enmity between you and man, but you don't have to compete. You don't have to strive. You're not them. You can be you. You have purpose. You have purpose to rule and reign with man. You do. You, you're needed. Your voice is needed. You have elements of God the Father. In the maternal side, or the, uh, the, the it is the maternal side. He's he identifies as as male. He is he's personified as as he. But there's elements of the he that are not in man. They're in woman. And the together, the nurturing, the tender, those tender things. You need both of it. And we need to bring it. It's our design. We were to be fruitful and multiply. And it wasn't just the bearing of our children. It isn't. It's to bear fruit. It's to fru- bear fruit in many different fields. There's four different areas that are actually listed when you study it out where we bear fruit and where we multiply. And it was for both of us. So powerful. So powerful. All right, let me go a little further. How much time do I have? Okay, I've got to hurry to hurry. All righty. Hand carved, fashioned. There you go, your first outfit. Fashioned as of gold. <laughs> I found a verse in the Bible that talked about being fashioned, and I was like, there it is. There it is. She was final creation. She was take, he was taken from the ground. She was created in the garden, uh, taken from the side. She wasn't called Eve until after the fall. It's actually an affirming. Did you know that? Adam is actually, when she's called Eve, uh, life giver, Adam is actually prophesying to her because she's ever, never actually bore a child yet. She, Cain was not born yet. He prophesies that she will be the life giver, and and it's curious because the two of them he could not leave he could not leave her he they cleaved to each other because when they, when God gave the curse and how it would be redeemed um, it was redeemed through the life giver and Adam not knowing what that meant he prophesied to her because she had never bore children and they didn't understand that concept because they were about to be. Uh, cast out but they were never to sweat did you know that when you're not under the curse and you're actually under inheritance and you're actually under promises of God which are yours the Bible says they're yes and amen that you are actually um, not to labor like you are to labor but you're not to sweat you're not to toil the toiling is for the curse that's on sin did you know God didn't cause curse man God cursed sin powerful huh Powerful for you. You are loved of your father. And when you look at what God says, even with the whole situation, because they made a big mistake, they made a big doozy. It was an apple, and they went after it. Who knows why? They were feeling a little hungry or peckish, or they wanted to test it. But there's no numbering system because uh, God knew that eventually they would do it. So the timetable doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, it's not included in Genesis because it didn't matter, it was going to happen. He knew from the beginning that it was gonna go down. He had already made a way. He, his whole intention from the beginning of time was to, to, um, to reconcile man to himself, through himself, that nothing could be uh, pulling them apart. All things were completed and, uh, and completely um, resolved within himself. He was all things. Did you know that your sin is forgiven? Your sin is forgiven. God already had a plan when Adam and Eve fell. Already had a plan. They, Adam was hiding and I forget what Eve was doing. She, uh, she fell, she fell, he hid. But God already had a plan with the uh, skins. They were putting a fig leaf over them and it was too narrow to cover them. And God came with skins. God, not in in his harshness, he looked for them. That is the same God that we have, our Heavenly Father. He is always looking for us. Always looking for us. When we pull away from him, when when we step in the wrong direction, when we willfully do something, he's always looking for us. And he has a covering. He wasn't shaming them. They felt shamed. He wasn't shaming them. And he didn't condemn or curse them. He cursed their sin. Powerful, huh? And he was so gracious and so kind, just like we are to our children, that when his children stumbled, he made the offering. He did the first sacrifice. God did the first sacrifice. And again, it's a type and shadow of the one who would come that would be the ultimate sacrifice, his son. Family again. You see how family is so threaded? Sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, Constantly being talked about in scripture, the relational side of God. He talks about himself, how they're in perfect harmony, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So powerful. Creator. Love it. All right, let's see where we're going to go to. Complete. Did you know that you're complete? Complete. Did you know you were made exactly the way you were supposed to be made? Did you know you could never do it all by yourself, but if you actually tap the strength of God and you access the, your Heavenly Father, you actually can? Did you know that you actually don't even have to have strength? You can crawl over the highest mountain, uh, reduce the, uh, the deepest valley, be lifted up like we sing in the song, oh mountain, be made low, oh valley, be lifted up. You have the strength of God. The creative God who has the best answers when Adam and Eve sinned, he had the garment. God has the best answers to restore, to fix, to do whatever is going on in your life and resolve it. God has that. He has the solution. Even if you're asleep, even if you don't know what's to come next, you feel alone. God knows exactly how to resolve it. You could actually take a nap like Jesus in the boat. On the, telling them that he's going to the other side and he goes down below and takes a nap and they think they're just going like Gilligan's Island, if you remember the boat, on a three-day tour and they're all excited like they're in, in, uh, on a cruise ship going somewhere and it's really going about to go down and something shipwrecked. It's the same for you. You may feel like you shipwreck your life. God is able to redeem it. God has a redemption plan just like he did for Adam and Eve he has a redemption plan for every single mistake that you could make, and God knows you'll make it. He knows what you're going to do. He, did you know that he knows all hundred things wrong with you that need to be fixed? That you freak out because you know your weaknesses, and there's the stuff that we cry over. I mean, if you're a girl, you cry over. You cry over the four, five, six, seven things that just crush you. Did you know that God actually knows all the things that are a hot mess? and he actually is the one who's going to fix it. He knows how to fix the kids. He knows how to get them into adulthood. He knows how to reach them. He knows how to talk to Adam. He knows how to find the child that's hiding. He knows how to pick the daughter up that's fallen. He knows how to restore the relationship. He's perfect father. The broken things with our mothers... The broken things with our fathers. A lot of people don't come to church on Mother's Day because of the heartache, because of the broken relational sides of things. You feel it so deep. Maternal, you feel it so deep. God describes himself in a, and I'm going to, I'll click it through. Um, so let's go a little further. He describes himself in a couple different ways. Uh, daughter. Here's another part of who we are as daughter. We are sons and daughters, but I'll just focus a touch and then we'll go into son. In Mark 5, it says, he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. And, and this here is she's making covenant with God. And when she says, you're, you're God, you can heal me. And she's running uh, to be healed. She's touching him. He makes covenant with her by her making covenant with him. And he becomes God and she becomes daughter. Covenant God. Second Corinthians, this is, uh, this is the only time where Jesus in all of the New Testament calls a woman daughter. I'm gonna pray for that in a little bit. And this is where, uh, th- with the issue of blood, um, oftentimes we think that things in our life and our generation and our stuff, our bloodlines have really busted us up and destroyed our families. And I really believe that God wants to heal that today I believe that the anointing wants to touch people and put people free. I believe that God can show up in a situation, even if we're asleep, and He can fix it. His supernatural power, you're not like the Buddhists who have to fix themselves. You are God's kid, and He can fix you. He can fix you. So I will be a father to you in 2 Corinthians, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Here he's saying he's the Lord Almighty, but there he says, when you become in relationship with me, I want to be a father. He's already saying he's father. When you become, you will become my sons and daughters. Access, we get access, position, royalty, favor, and blessing from daughterhood and sonship. Daughterhood and sonship. Ephesians 2 says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You were never made to be a master-slave relationship with God that he doesn't talk to you and you don't know what the, what the mind of God is thinking. Did you know that? Master-slave is you just do what you're told and uh, master uh, doesn't tell you what's going on. That is the lowest form of discipleship. Son and daughtership is the highest form of, of relationship. Uh, actually it's royalty Uh, it's actually ruling and reigning that's the highest form of relationship but uh, it's the next up son and daughter in relationship so you were created to know the mind and the mysteries and the heart of God and to know his will and his ways in circumstances it has been made known to you scripture says you're not supposed to be master slave you're not treated like master slave you're to be treated like son and daughter, and you're to be sat at a table in the presence of your enemies, and you're to have an inheritance, and you're to eat the fat of the lamb like your heavenly father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You are supposed to be that. That's who you are as a daughter and a son. So it says you are no longer strangers, and you you are no longer slaves. Um, You've been citizens and made members of a household of God. You are completely loved. John 1 says, but you, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to be the children of God. Not all are children of God. Did you know that? Not everybody is a child of God. It's those that believe that are children of God. God is so good in his goodness. He's so merciful. Did you know that two-thirds of the promises of God are predicated on obedience It's in covenant relationship, but one-third in God's goodness, he gives to the whosoever. But two-thirds are yours. You have an inheritance because you have a name, you have a robe, and you have a ring of authority that's been given to you. You're to rule and reign. Did you know that? You're to rule and reign. You have dominion. Your life is not supposed to be fodder for the enemy. You are not supposed to be the one that's the the tail and not the head. You are not supposed to be beneath. You are supposed to be above, like the word says. You are not fodder for the enemy. You are not to be dragged around by a lion by your throat. You are not to be an open spectacle for the world to mock. You are gods. You are gods. You are gods. He owns you. He bought you with a price. And he has purpose for you. And you are not to be openly displayed in in shame and humiliation. He deals with his people privately. The only time that he deals with you on the outside is when he can't lead you uh, by the inside. There's a verse that says, I would to guide you with my eye, but you would not. So I put a bit in your mouth and I pulled you. Fathers and mothers have discipline over the house of God, over the sons and the daughters in the house of God. They're to discipline. Heavenly Father is to discipline us as well, but His desire is to take care of our business with us privately, heart to heart, face to face. It's not shame. You were never to be shamed. You were never to be condemned. You were never uh, condemnation, shame, and guilt was never your your birthright. You, there is none for you. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. You have sonship and daughtership. You have sonship and daughtership. All right, next one, God who is maternal. This is the maternal side. Deuteronomy 32 says, like an eagle that stirs up a nest. I wanted to show this to you. So just see an eagle hovering over his eaglets that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guides him and no foreign God was with him. Deuteronomy 32 says, you ignored the rock who gave you birth. This is God talking about himself. You forgot the God who gave birth to you. God doesn't have the side that's in us. He does. He displays himself. God is not woman. He's not saying he's a, he's a woman. He says he's man. He's, he, he declares himself to be mass, uh, he. But he has the attributes that are in us, were taken from man in the original, and they're not with man anymore. They're with woman. Curious. Isaiah 49 says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. He's talking about himself, the compassion of God. So beautiful. <laughs> Hosea 13 says, he did, uh, I, like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and tear them asunder. Isaiah 66 says, as a mother confronts her child, so will I confront comfort, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and I will be comforted over Jerusalem. So see, he's again comparing himself to the tender side. God's heart is very tender towards you. The Bible says, I think it's in Isaiah, that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. That's like the last little bit of ember that's about to go out in a fire that's struggling. That's the tenderness of God. That's you, Shazam. Technicolor. Vivid. Strong. Courageous. That's you. So good. Brave. (laughs) Brave. Nourishing was another one. Nourishing. Another descriptive adjective associated with that. Nourishing. We need more nourishing. We need more nourishing. We have a position, full access to all of his authority and his inheritance. All right, next one. I think I'm very close. So our job as the house of God is to become spiritual sons and daughters of his Heavenly Father and to transform ourselves into spiritual mothers and fathers to others, to those around us within the house of God. We're not to see ourselves as alone. We're to see ourselves as a body. Jesus is the head, but the body is the one who makes the head, uh, uh, everything move for what the thoughts are of the head. The head can't make anything happen. It has to have hands. It has to have feet. And we are a one body, it says, fashioned together for purpose. So in our fashioning, it says here, Matthew, or 1 Corinthians 11, follow me as I follow Christ. And I say truly to you, unless you turn and become like children, here's again, the family side of the house of God, become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning it's reaching for you. It's right in front of you. But if you don't take it, you won't have access to it. And it's as a child in a family, as a son, as a daughter. Romans 9 says that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are as regarded as descendants. Like I was saying, we have inheritance. We're not children of the flesh. We're children of promise. Two-thirds of the promises are ours, are the house of God. One-third is for the whosoever. And God's compassion for the unbeliever or the pre-believer or the ones that don't know him. Isaiah 43 says, I will say to the north, give them up. This is God's pursuit of you. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the sea, of the earth. 1 Corinthians says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, so powerful, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that you might receive the adoption as sons and daughters, because you are a son. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's where we get our fatherhood no longer slaves but sons and if sons then heirs through Christ it's powerful isn't it so powerful how do we become fathers and mothers maturity we def- we develop ourselves into righteousness and what is right to god that's all righteousness means what is righteousness to god maturity is men- me- measured by the fruits of the spirit galatians Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against there is no law. Powerful, huh? No law against those. That's the maturity of the believer. That is what matures us into mothers and fathers that can emulate Christ like it says in 1 Corinthians. I follow Christ, follow me. It's not perfect. We don't run, right? Father God, we don't run from Father God like Adam and Eve. She fell, he hid. We don't take off. We stick with him, right? We stick in church. We stick with the family. You can't change your family, they say all the time, just like our mothers and our fathers and our sisters and our brothers, the aunts, that kind of, that crazy aunt, those people that you want to hide in the closet, you know, when there's a, something going on. You don't pick them. But the house of God, God picks. And we're not to run from it. We need the relationship. If we take ourselves out of father, mother, son, daughter, we put ourselves back into master slave. You put yourself back into that. You get a bit in your mouth and God redirects you and you're alone and you find yourself constantly falling and constantly struggling and constantly wearing down and not having no strength to you because you're not in the body. The body is one, the body is made of parts, but the body is one. You need the body of Christ. You need the faithful work of fathers and brothers saying to you the things that you don't want to hear, to grow you, like a father disciplines his son, right? Because he loves him. You mothers, you discipline your children. You can't eat that. I know you want to eat candy. You know, when it, they're a baby, they eat bananas all day, right? They'd eat smushed up bananas, little baby food. They don't want peas, no carrots for them. But what do they have to learn? They have to learn to eat the peas. They have to learn to eat the meat the carrots they can't have candy they can't have sweets they have to be disciplined they have to be developed they have to be nurtured you don't get nurtured you don't develop because you don't stay put you don't you're not known adam knew god god knew adam we have to be known if we're going to have good marriages we have to be known our junk has to come out and we have to be real right We have to get rid of the weak parts of ourselves. We have to be okay that we have weakness. God knows we have it, so we have to be okay with it. And we have to stay put and let God do the faithful work in it, right? When your children make lots of poo-poo diapers, right, you're patient with them, right? If they're five years old, they shouldn't be doing them anymore, right? If a 20-year-old's walking down the street and something's dripping out the back of their diaper, that's not a good idea, right? So we have to grow up. Maturity grows. We have to fashion ourselves and iron sharpens iron. We have to be developed. We have to have the sanding in order to be fashioned. And we don't know where we have to grow. We don't know how we have to grow. God, Father God, the head, has to decide it for us. So we have to be faithful. Faithfulness, did you know what is rewarded in, in the Bible? It's not talents. It's not even amazing giftings some people have more giftings did you know that if you have one gift you could actually catch up with the rest do you know how that is it's a big f-word faithful 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 when it's hard in your marriage faithful when it's difficult with your children faithful do you know what God does with faithful people he takes what the one that has a couple And hands it to the one with the one. Parable of the talents. You think you have one little weeny whiny woo-woo coin? That's your gift. Oh, I can just, I'm just, I'm just a greeter. I'm not a speaker. Did you know if you stay faithful, God will make you a speaker if that's the desire of your heart? He will open your mouth. He will make you as your mouth as the tongue of a learned writer, the Bible says. (laughs) He makes the simple simple. You can think you don't even have a good IQ. He makes this simple, wise. Who's like him? So good. Protector, mother, protector, nurturer, loving. God is loving. He looks for us when we're far, far off. Some of us have not been good mothers. <laughs> Some of us have not had good mothers. Some of us have had no dad. Some of us has had a bad dad. Every dad is going to make a bunch of mistakes because every dad is human, just like every mom is. It wasn't our intention, but it's the way they interpreted it. Bummer. But we have a God who, in his faithfulness and in his perfectness, he's, made, he's an all-powerful God that comes in and heals the areas. God's him. That is him. The God who describes himself as a nurturing hen, as a mother bear, as a mother eagle, is the one who is always looking for us. He's not rough. He doesn't have a backhand for us. He has, like, a little crook, like the shepherd. They say they grab you, you know, like if you're on the stage and you're on too long, they grab you at the hook and pull you off. That's God. And the sheep, too, they grab them. The sheep just run all over. They're beady-eyed. They get all this, like, they're so dirty. If you've ever seen a sheep that we're likened to, they're really, really dirty. And they do weird things, and somehow they get, like, all of their fecal matter and they're pooping their eyes and it's like matted and they can't see and they're running all around like all like crazy and then they're like really big with little short stubby legs and then they get lost because they can't see right and so the shepherd has to come with this crook this long <laughs> crook and because they run all over and they can't see right and they're just like kind of like a little maybe not s- swift in the head they has to grab him with this hook to pull him and to care for him that's God That's God. That's all attributes of woman and man in his goodness. So what I want to do is I really want to minister because I know that um, Jesus, every time in the New Testament that he told something, he showed something. So it was always show and tell with Jesus. And so I want to minister because I know that God wants to minister. His heart is to change. We can't listen to his word. We can't hear a message about the Holy Spirit and not experience it, right? He's Rhema, right? He's not Logos. He's Logos, but Logos is just the writing, okay? It's black and white. But Rhema is the vivid, the multicolor, now fresh, proceeding word of God into our lives that comes from the Holy Spirit, right? So he wants to minister to us today. So I'm going to ask for some music to be put on, and I'm going to ask, I have it all prearranged, and I have some people to come up. No, you're not going to play. They're just going to have music. I've got some mothers of the house and some women. <laughs> Oops. It's all right. I would like Rose to come up, uh, some mothers of the house. Diana Smith isn't here, but um, she'll soon to be one of our elders. Uh the others know who they are. Uh, Diana, she's a daughter of the house, she would come. Shelley, she's a mother of the house. I'd like uh, Rika and Shirley as well, if you would come. So they're gonna come across the front. Jody, she's gonna come. And so what I want to do is I want to just give you a chance. If we'd all stand, I just want to stand because it just makes everything easier. If we all stand together, then someone that steps out from the row doesn't feel awkward that they're standing up and stepping out in front of everybody. It's like we're all up, okay? We're all up. And so what I want to do is I want to... um, The Holy Spirit, it's not Sherry, the Holy Spirit wants to minister. And so while I was teaching and while I was talking, the Holy Spirit was moving and he was saying things. He was reminding you of losses in your life. Losses that have marred or torn or distorted your identity. Circumstances, relationships, Situations that went the bad way, you're like maybe Adam and Eve and you just went into a terrible circumstance. And it couldn't have been, re- it, the only way was for redemption was to be out of the garden. <laughs> but God wants to redeem that and the way he wants to redeem that is he wants to minister to the heart. You may not be able to fix what happened, but you can certainly heal what the enemy tore and sliced and left scar tissue that can be read like braille over your heart from the situation. You were never meant to be ravaged. So there's situations with mothers that it's wounded you in your femininity. As a man, you've had a mother that has wounded you and you still feel the pain. If you would still leave the music, that would be great. Um, as a man, you still feel a wound from what was done to you. Your mother wasn't nurturing. She was harsh. It was never good enough. It was never accepting. And you still feel it. So what I've done is I've brought some mothers up that are gonna minister the gentle heart of God to take that wound away. The Bible says, It's a healing balm that he gives. And one of the ways that the anointing is felt is through touch. It's not just spoken. The anointing is not just spoken and it's not just a feeling in a room. And the anointing to heal is here because God is holistic. He heals physical bodies and he heals hearts. He's holistic, mind, body, and spirit. He wants to put us back together. He came to give us freedom, Isaiah 61 says. The captives go free, the prisoners that were shackled get let go. And then the second half is abundance that comes from those that have been set free. So God wants to set people free today. So I'm going to ask you to come up. You can start making your way up now. If you've been wounded by a mother, wounded by a father, if there's been abuse that tore at you and ravaged your heart and that you still walk with a limp, I want you to come and let healing come to you. It's not the person praying for you that's going to make something happen. It's actually the power of God that has been commissioned on these people to set you free and deliver you from that wound. The anointing, the Bible says, breaks the yoke. It breaks the yoke. So there's areas of your life where there's been losses. Losses of ravaging. And God wants to touch you today and take that burden off your shoulders and set you free. I'm gonna pray over you. Holy Spirit, I thank you Holy Spirit right now that you are touching your people. I pray right now for a fresh and wonderful encounter with you right now. I thank you Lord that you wanna set hearts free from the losses, the losses, the hurts, the relational wounds, You were Leah, maybe in a marriage, and Jacob loved Rachel. You were Michal, and you were not loved by David. You felt that you were put away. You felt that you weren't seen. You've had a marriage that wounded you, or you watched your mother be wounded in it. You were Hannah that were cry, and you were waiting, and you felt that you've had barrenness in your You've had a barrenness. There's people that have had barrenness in their life and they believe that God the Father has given that lie to them. That's become a part of their identity, of their, of their, of their formation of who they are and God wants to set it free. You've had a husband that has been Nabal and you've worn long and hard with some of the circumstances And it shaped you wrong. It distorted you differently. And God wants to set you free. Your parents were not there. The orphan heart. It doesn't matter that they were there, but something still wounded you. And so God wants to set you free as an orphan. You always hide who you are because you don't know that you're actually truly loved and fully accepted. God wants to set you free today. So you're going to come forward. Holy Spirit, thank you for touching your people right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching your people right now. Thank you, Father, for touching your people right now. I want to also open up blessing you've struggled with those areas that I had shared and you want God to re-bless what you're doing now so where there's been fear of the uncertainty with it you want God to bless your fathering you want to cut off something you want to bless it I pray right now father that you would bring your people Lord, those that want to be touched with a blessing of identity thank you lord thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit thank you holy spirit for reframing your daughters and your sons thank you holy spirit for reframing your daughters and your sons right Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You were made to be courageous. (laughs) You were made to tear down the schemes that the kingdom of darkness had decided you would carry for the rest of your life. God says they will be removed and broken. Your case will never be the one that has no solution. That's not for you. Your case, your situation will never be the one that has no solution. God is going to redeem it for you today. I release over you right now for those that are still uh, there. I want to just pray if you would hold out your hands. Father, I release right now over your sons and daughters. I decree over them blessings of God a thousand generations God that they would see the promises of God in the land of the living and in their generations to come God that you would bring health you would bring divine health with no sickness like the people of Egypt were drawn taken out of Egypt and they left with no sickness because they had to go somewhere God I pray that would be the same for your people right now I pray that their marriages would have no strife. I pray, Father, there would be no striving within the marriage or competition, but there would be a completion because it's ours by your decree. So I pray right now for the people of God, that their marriages would be one where there has been marriages that have not been whole and they have not understood wholeness and the understanding of design or the ways of each other with their personalities and their differences and their weaknesses and their strength. Father, right now, I pray for a divine impartation that they would know how to have oneness. I pray, Father, that you would bring them into a place of rest and a place of joy. The demonstration of the evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving is righteousness, peace, and joy. So I pray right now for righteousness you would reveal what is right to you in the marriages. In singles right now, I pray the same, Father. I pray your peace and your joy and your righteousness within their families, with broken families that have not been redeemed, God, there's relationships. I pray right now by decree, Father, I release power right now that you will bring about the uh, prodigal sons and daughters the children that have been afar off, the mothers and the fathers that have had broken relationships with their children. I pray, Father, for today, divine encounters. God, that there would be a miraculous reconnect. And I pray, Father, you would put a healing balm of restoration of relationship and renewal. You say in Ezekiel, you can cause dry bones that have been withered, broken into brittleness by sun that has baked it the heat of the day which is the curse and you say in your word that you cause them to dance and give life I pray now for bones for the foundations of relationships that have been broken for far too long I pray healing I release over the people of God identity fresh identity of sons and daughters of the most high what that means and what what you want it to become in their lives. I release the same over your people for fathers and mothers as well. I release your divine blessing, your divine desire, your divine ability to father and mother with your capacity, the strength of God, the wisdom of God, the manifold presence of God to change, to heal, to transform, and to bring life as life givers to their families. I pray that right now. I pray that for the woman as an individual, God, that you would touch her, you would give her understanding and you would tenderly woo her to your heart and you would reveal to her all of her design as identity that you said in your word and you promised from the beginning for her. When you saw her like Jeremiah says that she was fashioned in in the womb and you knew her before she was born, I pray now that she would know. And she then the fullness of what you designed her to become would come forth from her life. The evidence of your fullness, the genius, the exclamation point that she was supposed to be. I pray, God, you would give them courage. I pray for courage. I pray for fresh identity. I pray, Father, for vigor, for effectiveness, for the vivid, of who she was created to be. That she would become a strength and an aid and a support. And she would surround and know that she is surrounded. And I pray, Father, that as James says, the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. God, that they would be, she would be a legacy known for her fervent prayers. And I pray, Father, that your daughters would see the answers to her prayers in the land of the living like you promised the righteous. I pray, Father, for renewal, that she would know that it's worth it. She would know it's worth it to be a mother, and she would know it's worth it to labor as hard as she does as a wife, as a woman, and all the multiple hats that she wears. I pray she would be renewed with strength. I also pray for the fathers and the sons in this room. And I pray, God, you would empower the capacity to guide, guard, and govern within their house and to steward it with kindness, with a tender heart like Christ loving the church. They would love their wives. And you would give them the wisdom, the mind of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God that's promised in the word to know how to do it. And they would know that they don't have to do it alone because they were never, ever, man was never created to be alone. So I pray strength to them. I pray for a fresh encounter. I pray for the burdens to go off of your people, God, right now. The burdens to come off of your fathers and your sons and your mothers and your daughters. The people, the family of God, that they would know your goodness, your grace, your tender mercies, your protecting bear, your eagle who flies high above the things that you soar and they soar as well. I pray those capacities would be known to them. They would walk in renewal. They would come alive with vigor. They would come alive with strength. They would come alive with vitality. I pray, God, right now that the Ruach, the breath of God, would fill their lungs fresh and they would know that they are living and they are made in your likeness. I pray that right now over your people. I pray fresh hope. I pray fresh renewal. I pray transformation. I pray, Father, right now for a vision that they would see the future as bright as it truly is. They are with you. They are enough. They were enough when they were made. They are enough because they have you. They have everything they need. You plus anything, Jesus, equals everything. I pray joy. I pray today would be not a day of of loss or missing gaps, but a day of joy. A glass not half empty, but a glass half full. I pray they would see it. I pray you would fulfill your promises in your people, like you say you will, with yes and amen. Amen. We thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you for this, Father. Let's just thank him. I know it's awkward. Let's just thank him. Let's just put our hands out. Let's just thank him. We give him worship. Let's just give him worship. God, you're so good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 I release the (laughs) presence. The Holy Spirit changes everything. If the word of God was enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. If Jesus said he had to go and it was good that he went because you were going to get the Holy Spirit, it was better. You have the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of time, he was planning to bring the Holy Spirit, that he would be the all-encompassing answer. God would solve all problems in and through himself. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so what we're going to do, because I'm a bit of a, used to be on the team, I'm going to ask Jody, if you would. If you're ready, I wanted to do that, this, the blessing song, if we could. I wanted to do the blessing. I think it's time to sing ourselves out. <laughs> we need more joy. We need more joy. If you'd stand, let's just stand. We'll worship one more time. to tell you to grab a flower, to not forget your pictures. There's a sign up for that. And the flowers, the wonderful flowers are over in the bins over there. So get yourself a mama flower. Tell your mom. Maybe somebody needs to call mom that hasn't talked to mom in a while. Not to try to get anything out of it, but just, hey, love you. Maybe it's a text. Renewal. Renewal. Shalom is universal flourishing on all sides. Did you know that? God came to give us. He said he was going to give them peace. And it was the word shalom means universal flourishing on all sides. That's not just financial. That's relational. That's universal. The design and the plan and the inheritance of God is universal flourishing on all sides. Shalom. Amen. I speak shalom on you today. I speak joy on your life. I speak peace. And I speak the goodness of God, the blessings of God in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. you.